Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Happy Friday, everyone. It's a Friday, February 18th edition of the Daily Face-Off Show. He's Chris Gear, former Vancouver Canucks Assistant General Manager and Chief Legal Officer. Great to have you back on the show, Chris. How you doing? Great to be here. Happy Friday to you, Frank. Yeah, lots going on in the hockey world. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck with this. The Edmonton Oilers keep rolling. They've now improved to 4-0 and under new head coach Todd Woodcroft. Jay Woodcroft, I should say. Uh, Todd is his brother. Um, and in this case, you look at the uniqueness of the Oilers season and what a wild roller coaster it's been off to a ridiculously hot start. A brutal cold stretch through the month of December. And now they seem to have turned it around again, a 9-2-1 record in their last number of games. And they're rolling with a little bit of a unique setup in that they've been dressing 11 forwards and 7 defensemen in this last stretch of games under Woodcroft. Chris, what are you seeing from the Oilers that you like under their new head coach? Well, it's a little bit similar to what we saw with the Canucks when Bruce Boudreaux came in. I think, you know, anytime there's a coaching change, I think there's a little bit of a, you know, sense of relief just that all of the negative talk and all of the noise is gone and the players can just relax and start fresh. So I think you're seeing some of that. I think, you know, obviously Dave Tippett was a bit more of a defensive minded coach uh, than, and I think, you know, the Oilers have a lot of stallions, right? They've got a lot of offensive players that sometimes need to be just let run wild. And, you know, you add uh, Evander Kane to that mix. There's a lot of guys that like to score and they're, uh, they're playing that more up-tempo uh, offensive game and scored seven goals last night. So, uh, you know, I, I like what you're seeing from them. I think, you know, they're not going to go on undefeated here under Woodcroft forever. There will be a regression at some point, but it looks like they've uh, sort of righted the ship for the time being. Yeah, and you mentioned Evander Kane and what a start it's been for him as an Edmonton Oiler. Four goals and four assists for eight points in the nine games that he's played with the team. How much do you think Kane has transformed this team in the sense of they now have some more depth that they can rely on and it's not seemingly just on a couple players to produce? Yeah, that's been huge. I mean, anytime you can add a player of, of his with his skill set and and his scoring prowess, it's going to take the pressure off McDavid and Drysaddle. 
Uh, and it just it just gives them one more piece of horsepower that they can add when they're when they're throwing their lineup teams. Uh, and, and the other thing is just it's it's a new storyline. It's a different dynamic. It's it takes the focus off all the negativity. Even though we thought maybe Kane would would bring some negativity or the the the, the storylines that might come with Kane, but uh, so far so good. Yeah, and don't look now, but uh, Mike Smith has been really good in net for the Oilers the last three games. A 9.55 save percentage. He's given up just six goals in the last three. Uh, certainly could maybe change a little bit of the complexion of the Oilers' deadline. We've been thinking the whole time that they need some support in net. But if Smith can get back to the level that he was at last season, maybe that changes the discussion a little bit and puts a little bit more of a focus on their blue line. So let's talk about another team that seems to be rolling a little bit have righted themselves at the very least and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs blasting off against the Pittsburgh Penguins a team that was atop the Metropolitan Division standings and has been one of the consistently really good teams all season long and so when you look at the win um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs and it's not just uh, the one result and or even going back to their game against the Kraken earlier in the week I think the big question is and, and everyone wants to talk about Big picture. Where do the Leafs go from here? What do they do at the deadline? I think it's been pretty clear in terms of their search in that they're looking for a partner that can steady Jake Muzzin and steady their second pair. When you look at the Leafs, where are some holes maybe as they get towards the deadline? Yeah, I think that's probably the one place where they might want to add is just shoring up the the D a little bit. They've, they've still got some, some youngsters, um, you know, in, in Sandine and uh, so you know, I, I think I think they need to to stabilize that a little bit, or at least add depth in case somebody goes down. I mean, you know, Muzzin hasn't proven to be uh, you know the, the picture of health uh, this season. So you know that that's probably a place. Um, I, I know what the Leafs won't do, and that's go out and get a rental like they tried to do last year with Nick Foligno. Uh, it didn't work. Uh, they gave up a first and a fourth, and ultimately came away with nothing. I think Foligno played eleven games for them and didn't didn't really add what they wanted. Uh, if the Leafs, Leafs do make a, a bigger move, I expect it'll be for somebody with term that they think fits into their roster long term. Yeah, and a guy with term that I had mentioned that they had expressed interest on previously was Brandon Hagel from the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, when I reported on Hagel this week on our trade targets board, you know Calgary was also in the mix, the New Jersey Devils. A number of teams have been in touch with Chicago, who, by the way, is still searching for a general manager and could you know, kind of quickly put an end to some of those discussions if he decides that Hagel is a player that they'd like to keep. But Hagel's a good example in the term conversation that you're mentioning and a perfect fit for Toronto on their salary cap if they were to be interested in making a move at forward because of the two years that he has left at a million and a half dollars. He's proven to be incredibly productive, plays a complete game. I still think the focus for them has to be on the blue line. I, you know, Even though he is a rental, I would have to imagine that the ability to add a guy like John Klingberg, if the opportunity would pr- were to present itself if the Dallas Stars fall out of the race. Like, You'd probably have to think long and hard about an upgrade like that if you think he can be the perfect stylistic fit to play with a guy like Muzzin, that it just makes a lot of sense. We'll see what ends up happening uh, on that front for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think they're sort of waffling. Do we maybe add a forward? What do we do on defense? Uh, lots of time for Kyle Dubas and company to make up their mind. Another team that's got an interesting deadline proposal ahead of them or, or proposition would be 
the Columbus Blue Jackets. They've got a lot of cap space. They've got some draft picks. They have an extra first rounder from Chicago in the trade for Seth Jones. And they've got a lot of pieces that I think a lot of people watching this team and you see their game last night, it feels like games this season, the Blue Jackets are either scoring seven or giving up seven. That's just the year it's been for them. And they're in a spot where they've got players, some that are pending unrestricted free agents like uh, Junis Corpusalo in net, as well as Max Domi. Uh, they've got some other guys that have sort of been square pegs in round holes to this point. Uh, I think Jack Roslovic is one of them. They Columbus was hoping bringing him to his hometown, um, you know, in that trade with Patrick Laine for Pierre-Luc Dubois, that this would, uh, you know, be a, a match made in heaven. I don't think that it's quite worked out that way after a really hot start. I think there have been teams that have been calling on Roslovic, but there's sort of a blank canvas for Jarmo Kekalainen and his group in Columbus in that there's a number of ways in which they could attack this. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, when you look at Columbus, other than, than Zach Wierenski, who anchors the blue line, and, you know, you've got Voracek, Line A, uh, you know, Boone Jenner's probably there to stay because he's on a good contract. Uh, Bjorkstrand's making 5-4. But, you know, all of these guys, um, you know, could they shuffle the deck and, and basically come out with something a little better in Columbus? You know, they're, they're kind of a middling team right now. They've, they've shown well uh, this month. I think they're 6-2 and two in the month. Um, but, you know, still not a team that, that you expect is going to really make a jump unless they, they sampled, um, you know, they have, they have eight of their picks uh, going into the draft, including two first rounders. Um, you know, maybe it's time for them to look to sell on one hand, but also maybe uh, look to make a, a move that solidifies them for the future and brings in another talented top six player. Yeah, another pending restricted free agent in need of a new deal is Patrick Liney. He's on another one of those heaters that he goes on from time to time. He has 10 goals in his last seven games, his ninth career hat trick. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that I think teams are curious about. Would Columbus potentially move on from a player like Patrick Liney? They sure gave up a lot to get him. I think Columbus, just like everyone else, is intrigued when they see him go on a run like this. But he's been so mercurial that it's like... How do you even come up with a contract to pay this guy? Uh, because the talent is clearly there. At times, the production is there, but the consistency isn't. And sometimes that obviously ends up affecting his goal totals, whether, whether it's uh, you know, you know, a down year or an up year and basically how it ends. So um, I do think that if there were to be a transaction, Chris, for Patrick Liney that were to pop up, it feels like an off-season one where it'd be a lot different uh, you know, different things involved in terms of negotiating that contract, what it would look like. That would certainly be a big part of it. But Yarmo Kekalainen has been pretty clear in his public statements about Line A that he's under team control as a pending RFA and that they intend to keep it that way. So we talked about the Columbus Blue Jackets and where they sit in the standings in relation to the trade deadline. And it got us wondering earlier this week, and I, I wanted to pose the question to you, should the NHL look into a play-in style tournament, especially when you consider the Eastern Conference this year? The playoff race is boring. There, you know, the eight teams have basically solidified themselves in playoff spots. It's going to be hard for the Blue Jackets or the Red Wings to catch teams like the Boston Bruins or Washington Capitals. Even as poorly as the Caps or, or mediocre as the Caps have played for the last two and a half months, the way the NHL standings work with three-point games and whatnot, 
you know, you need to go on an incredible run at the same time that a team's on a on a downward stretch in order to make up any real ground in the standings. So if you take a look at how the NBA does it, and the, basically the way that they set it up with a seven and eight game to start, the winner of that seven eight game automatically gets the seven playoff seed, and then there's the nine ten game, and the winner of that goes to play the loser of the seven eight game. And the winner of that play-in game gets the eighth spot in the playoffs. Basically, you end up with 10 teams in the mix, Chris. Would this be a good idea for the NHL? I got to tell you, Frank, I love this idea for the NHL. Uh, I remember last year watching the NBA uh, playoffs more intently than I had in several years just because of this format. Uh, when you can get... Obviously, the owners are going to love this idea, you'd think, with the extra revenue, uh, especially in a year or a couple of years that have been really hit hard due to the, the COVID pandemic. So the opportunity to have a couple of extra games uh, adding to the revenues of the league and the teams, to me, seems like a home run. Um, and, you know, these these one game winner take all uh, kind of like a game seven, right? It's exciting for the fans. It's exciting for the players. Uh, it adds adds intrigue in a couple of markets that that maybe thought they were out and suddenly they have a chance and you know can you imagine watching a team like Detroit with all of its young stars like Raymond and Cider and seeing them uh, get their first taste of playoffs in a in a winner take all type format it's I, I think it's uh, it would be fantastic yeah here's a real world example of what it could look like this year with the Caps and Bruins squaring off in that seven eight game if the Bruins win they go right to that seven seed. It, the Caps would then play the winner of Columbus and Detroit. You know, who knows what happens in that game. I think here's the other part to consider about that, and it's it's what we'd be experiencing right now, is when you go to NBA.com and take a look at their standings, it's bracketed off by that 10 spot, and all of a sudden you begin to look at the standings a little bit differently, and if you're a fan, there's maybe something to play for to get in instead of being necessarily in no man's land where you're too far away from the lottery and too far away from the playoffs. Well, then this sort of is that middle ground that at least makes your season somewhat interesting. Could you imagine if a team gets in and in a play in a 10 seed and, and goes on to then upset the number one seed and, or the two seed in in the playoffs, like it would be unbelievable theater. So um, you know, to me, for the revenue reasons you mentioned, for the outlook on the standings, uh, I just think it makes too much sense. But the N NHL to this point under Commissioner Gary Bettman has been very resistant to the idea of either expanding the playoffs or having a play-in format. So uh, I just, you know, it connects so many dots for the NHL. Let's connect some more on the world stage with another edition of The Next Wave, delivered by DoorDash. Pleased to welcome back Chris Peters for another edition of The Next Wave delivered by DoorDash. Chris, it's been a busy time of year for you. Your second appearance on the Daily Faceoff show this week <laughs> to talk Olympics. And now we know the, the teams that are in the gold medal game. Uh, Russia, or I guess the Russian Olympic Committee, knocking off Sweden in an eight-round shootout uh, early this morning, uh, Eastern time. Um, in Beijing. And so you look at it, give us a preview of this gold medal game between the Russian Olympic Committee and Finland. 
Yeah, well, you know, I think these are probably the two deepest teams and probably the two most experienced teams that are in the tournament. So maybe it shouldn't be a surprise that, that either are here. But, you know, Russia did not have a great tournament. Uh, they did not play particularly well uh, in the in the medal round and or in the preliminary round. They ended up winning their games uh, for the most part, except for uh, um, the, the last one in the preliminary round, which ended up, you know, costing them uh, the first overall seed in the entire Olympics. But you know, Finland is is this disciplined team that has had a lot of experience at the world championship level. And, um, you know, that was pretty impressive to see them just kind of really break down Slovakia in uh, the game that was aired last night in, in the U.S. and not really a give them anything. So they've got really good goaltending. They've got a lot of experience. And as I mentioned, they, they've won world championships without an NHL players when other teams had. NHL players. So a lot of these guys have had high level experience and success. And to me, Finland goes into this game as the favorite, even though, you know, Russia Olympic athletes or the, the Russian Olympic committee is the kind of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the defending gold medalist, but also the team that everybody kind of expected to be there at this point this year. But, you know, based on what we've seen, I think they've underachieved and this is an opportunity for Finland to really come away with one. But I think this will be a defensive struggle. I don't think if you like goals, this is probably not going to be your game. Chris, as, as you watch the tournament, uh, who are some of the players, be it from Canada or the U.S. or maybe some of the teams that that all of us don't don't see as frequently, uh, guys that have impressed you, guys that you think maybe aren't the property of a current NHL team, but but maybe have uh, done themselves some favors and, and could be signed as free agents. Yeah, well, Chris, I think the first guy that pops out is is the guy that's eligible for the draft this year, Yuri Slavkovsky. Five goals through the tournament so far. The youngest player to uh, to to have five goals in a in a single Olympics. And you know, you look at some of the U nineteen players, and this is a kid that's seventeen. Uh, doesn't turn 18 until uh, the end of March. He is, uh, he has five goals. Eric Lindros had five goals. Um, you know, Pat LaFontaine had five goals, but they were a little bit older than Slavkovsky was uh, this year. So it's kind of amazing to watch him. And I think for me, as somebody that had him as, as a projected top 10 guy, he's now starting to get into that top five conversation because he's got size, he's got tremendous hands. You know, I think my concern was in his hockey sense. Can he be a play driver? Can he be a guy that's going to be uh, be there? And I think in this tournament, we got to see a little bit more of his offensive instincts, his ability to get into the right spots, his ability to read plays. But I don't think we've seen this year when he's playing professionally in Finland. He actually has more points in the Olympics in this in these last couple of weeks than he does in his entire season uh, with the Finnish pro team that, that he plays for. So it's really... That's the guy that jumps out. But there have been a lot. I mean, I think you look at the, the performance of, you know, Kent Johnson, who wasn't supposed to be on Canada's roster. He ends up making the team uh, because a couple of guys had COVID positives. He shows his skill, gets a couple assists right off the bat. I thought he played very well for Team USA. Matty Beniers, I think, was probably the best player on the ice most times when he when he was out there. Number two pick of Seattle Kraken. And then another guy that's not an NHL uh, property, but a guy that I've talked about a fair amount on this on this show and certainly in subsequent uh, conversations about the Olympics is Ben Myers, who I think is going to be the number one college free agent this year. A guy that everybody's going to want to get a get a conversation with when his season at Michigan or Minnesota ends. Um, so those are some of the guys that have really popped out. But, you know, you, you look at this Olympic uh, this Olympic tournament has been pretty compelling because of how the young players have performed. Certainly USA putting their spin on things with their young roster and then having guys like Slavkovsky. And then the, the goal scored today that ended the shootout was scored by Arseny Gritsuk, who was a uh, fifth round draft pick, of the New Jersey devils played for Omsk in, uh, in one of Gagarin cup last year. So he's a guy that I think a lot of people will be keeping an eye on as, as he hopefully matriculates the NHL very soon. 
All right, Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot. You just did your midseason rankings a couple weeks ago. Would Slavkovsky be in your top five? Where would he slot at the moment based on the way this uh, Olympics played out for him? Yeah, I would say that he's certainly, for me, I, probably if I he leapfrogs a leapfrogs quite a few guys and and it at least gets to six on my board. Um, I think he moves ahead of the, the defenseman that I had um, on, on my list, uh, Juracek and Nemitz, who was also on Slovakia's team. So, you know, I, and, and you don't want to read too much into uh, small samples, but the thing about Slavkovsky's game is that I'm starting to see him see it more where he's seeing those opportunities. And then he's got the, the finishing ability, the tools. I mean, he has an NHL caliber shot. He had some great puck skills to open things up for him. So he is a guy that, you know, now that I've seen him in this in this setting and he started on the fourth line and last night he played on the first line and was getting major minutes in all situations for that team. So now I'm seeing you, you have to see it to believe it a little bit. And now we're seeing it a little a little bit more. And I'll be keeping a very close eye on him as the season progresses. because I can't imagine what the confidence is going to do from this tournament for the rest of his season. He may even end up with a with a bronze medal yet. And that could really propel things for him going forward. Yeah, Chris was seeing everything this week, including something that he noticed on Logan Cooley's Instagram page earlier in the week (laughs) in that he was switching his commitment from the University of Notre Dame to Minnesota. So big news in the prospect world. Logan Cooley, the number one player on Chris Peters' midseason NHL draft rankings. A lot of places have him at number two behind Shane Wright. Uh, Chris steadfast in his belief of Cooley and his game to this point. So big news with him switching his commitment. That'll do it for another edition of the next wave with Chris Peters. If you don't want to cook this weekend, all your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. You see the promo codes at the bottom of your screen. If you're in Canada, D-F-O-D-D. Or if you're in the U.S., D-F-O-D-D-U-S. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. This is the next wave delivered by DoorDash. All right, Chris, it's time for our daily face-off show inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. I got to ask for a little sartorial advice. The two teams, the Buffalo Sabres and Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, released their Heritage Classic jerseys coming up March 13th in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, Let's throw these two beauties up on the screen. Which one do you like more? Uh, For me, Buffalo wins in a landslide. Uh, You know, I'm not... Not crazy about the Toronto jerseys. I, I don't think they're very inspired. Uh, but you look at that that Buffalo, the flowing mane and the the ivory color uh, and the blue. Like it's it's a sharp sharp look. No offense. Yeah, Toronto. the Sabers. Yeah, the Sabers have been crushing it. And our I guess our Leafs Nation guys on Twitter they had said T is for trash. I'm not I'm not sold on that. I actually kind of like these. You got to know the history. Uh, they were known as the Toronto Blue Shirts or the Toronto's for a while. This was a hundred and uh, fourteen years ago, four years ago. My math is no good. Uh, Nineteen eighteen was when they last wore these uh, jerseys, known as the Toronto Arenas, because they were owned by the Toronto Arena Company. Uh, I kind of like it. It's very simple, and I like some of the details that they worked in—the old school uh, sewing and stitching on the numbers. You, you got to take a close look to appreciate it. Maybe from afar, it looks a little bit plain, especially going up against something like that from Buffalo that dazzles a little bit. But uh, I'm, you know, I'm not down on this Toronto Arena jersey. I actually kind of like it. 
I do like the stitching on the numbers. I'll give you that. Okay. Well, I'll take it. Uh, let's get to, uh, let's bring in Tyler Uremchuk for our daily face-off daily bets segment. Tyler, you've kind of had a good week. Yeah, I have had a good week. The Columbus Blue Jackets came through for me as plus 120 underdogs yesterday, but Mika Zabanajad. Zabanajad, Frank. Uh, he nice. picked up a point, but it, it, it was a goal, not an assist. So that was disappointing. But either way, it's been a good week and we'll look to end it on a high note. So let's jump into our picks, courtesy of our friends over at Points Bet, starting with that uh, matchup at the top there. Made some money off the Blackhawks yesterday. Going to try and make some money off the Blackhawks again tonight. They're going up against the Dallas Stars. Dallas coming off a 4 1 win against Colorado earlier this week. They've won two of their three since coming out of the All Star break. They're seven and three in their last 10. Now, the Marc-Andre Fleury start is concerning for me. They saved him. They didn't start him yesterday against Columbus. He's been a little up and down as of late with 14 goals against in his last five starts. But in two of those games, he gave up five goals. So up and down, like I said, for Fleury, it's not enough to scare me away from betting on the Stars, though. I'm taking them to not only win, but I'm taking them in regulation. Minus 160 on the money line doesn't really do it for me. In regulation, though, they're minus 105. And I like that spot. Uh, so I'm taking Dallas in regulation, minus 105 in Chicago. And for my player prop, why not double down on the Dallas Stars? I love Rupe Hints to pick up an assist. Plus 125 is the payout here. He's hit this in three of his last five and six of his last 10. So this is something that's been hitting at a 60% rate recently. And you're getting a plus money and a pretty good plus money payout at plus 125 on this thing. It's a good matchup for the Stars, like I said earlier. I think Hints can pick up an apple, as McKenna calls him, the ace of spades. And I am putting my money behind him tonight. Stars in regulation, Hints assist. Those are my two plays going into the weekend, Frank. Rupe! I love it. One of the best names in hockey. Uh, let's get to Garbage Time, my favorite segment of the show. Chris, some history made last night on the airwaves. Yeah, the Seattle Kraken have been doing a lot of things first and, and really breaking boundaries. But last night, uh, the first uh, all-black hockey broadcast uh, featuring uh, Everett Fitzhugh and JT Brown. Uh, Everett is their radio play-by-play -play guy. And JT is the analyst on their TV broadcast. So they teamed up and uh, really did an excellent job uh, calling that game against Winnipeg. And it's a huge step for the NHL, right? Um, you know, we, we've seen th this is really the first year when, um, you know, we, we, were, we were late recognizing the, the, the first NHL player, Willie O'Ree. Um, but, but he got some respect this year. And then, uh, you know, we had some trouble with the AHL and the ECHL with some racist comments, but you know, this, this goes completely the other way. This is a really positive story for people of color and, you know, hopefully in the future, this thing, uh, th th these types of things will be common and we won't, we won't have to think about, uh, you know, what, what color the, the people in the broadcast booth are. It's just, uh, they're talented and they call a great game. And if you heard, uh, Fitzhugh's goal calls with his big booming voice, uh, just fantastic. Yeah, he's got a great set of pipes on him. Uh, just so much respect for Everett Fitzhugh. And I don't think people recognize the challenge that broadcasters go. Like, it's not really all that different than some players. Like, Everett Fitzhugh started off in the ECHL and, and had to work his way up. Like, you, you, you think that minor league players are paid poorly. How about minor league broadcasters? So he's had to uh, endure some things along the way and proud Detroit native, a guy that just a huge hockey fan always wanted to do it and to get the opportunity with the Seattle Kraken, um, you know, shattering some of those ceilings that have existed. Uh, love to see it. Love to see what's next. And I think this is just one of those things. See it. 
dream it, be it. And this is, you know, proof that it can happen. So congrats to Everett Fitzhugh, JT Brown, who's making a nice second career for him after his playing career ended. Uh, great, great stuff. So well said by you, Chris. That is all the time that we have for today's Daily Faceoff show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the National Hockey League. We'll be back on Monday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Chris, Tyler, Alex, everyone, Chris Peters. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.